Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. God, in His grace, showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you should know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and The Burden of Better. I'm a blogger at comparedtowho.me, and you just may have seen my epic big fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and hey, tell a friend about it. Thank you for watching The Companion Show. I am back with Brittany Braswell. Oh, I am so excited because we are going to talk about seven needs your eating disorder, disordered eating behavior, maybe, or your eating. Uh, I'm really butchering this, Brittany. Help me. What are you going to talk about today? Just tell me. <laughs> yeah, the different needs that your eating disorder, disordered eating behaviors could be leading for you. Yeah. So this is good stuff. So in the last episode, we talked about the reality of control as underneath a lot of, well, I think we're just going to say all disordered eating, eating disorder behaviors. And so if you're listening to this and this has been part of your story, chances are you are nodding your head and you're like, yeah, I do tend to control a little bit. Okay. Yes. It's just, we can just be real about that. We're all friends here. Okay. Control is under this stuff. Right. And I I also find that approval is under a lot of this stuff too. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you found that sometimes it's approval from someone in the past that, you know, maybe isn't even still alive, but that, you know, that parent or that grandparent or that boyfriend in high school that said this was a problem with their body and they're still trying to make that right. But there's just, I mean, there's so many different things involved with our eating disorders, our disordered eating behaviors. And if you didn't listen to the first episode, listen to that one. So you have a better grip on what we mean when we say disordered eating versus eating disorder. But Brittany, today I'm excited for you to kind of dig into these tendencies. I lost the word again. How did I lose it so quickly? (laughs) (laughs) So let's let's start. Number one was control. So let's just kind of revisit that a little bit since it's a fresh episode. What what do you mean? What, What does control look like in terms of disordered eating and eating disorders? Yeah. So I'll say kind of, kind of with all of these yeah, control, I feel like is a huge sort of umbrella one. Um, but I think it's really important to know, even before you recognize that, like, maybe, maybe control is one of the things is I think you have to even backtrack and say, kind of give yourself permission, give yourself grace to say, okay, the, this eating disorder, disordered eating is not my fault. It's not something I'm just like woke up one day and decided, hmm, I think I'll have this unhealthy relationship with food or my body, but it's providing some kind of benefit for you. Mm. Now it's not to say that the behavior is doing something beneficial necessarily. Mm. It's not Mm -hmm. healthy for you, but it's in your mind, it's providing some sort of benefit and may even be to a a physical benefit to some degree. And I'll talk about that. Um, It's probably not what you're thinking when I say Mm. eating disorder might be giving you a physical benefit. Um, Because I don't mean from a physical health standpoint. So Mm. um, you really got to know what need that you are having met because if this eating disorder, if your different behaviors are meeting one of these, then that means you still have that need. That need is valid. And without the behavior, it's going to be left unmet and nobody mm-hmm. wants their needs left unmet, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to experience any of, any of these needs on a regular basis 
but the disordered eating behavior isn't the only way to meet it. Mm. And so really the beauty of this is, and the beauty of recognizing what it is, is to know that, okay, well, I can stop engaging in this as long as I know how to have the same need met in a healthier, life-giving, Christ-centered way, right? right? And especially the beauty around that is that the Lord wants to meet all of these needs for us. He wants to show us how they can be met outside of this place of diet culture and spiritual bondage and being stuck in the middle of spiritual warfare. So, um, so diving in, yes, control is a huge one. Um, I think most people have a pretty good idea. I should probably put a little caveat on that. If you're still in this somewhat healthy mindset, um, you probably have an idea about maybe some of the things that you do struggle with control around. I have a little tool that I provide to a lot of my, my clients to help them recognize like what of these seven needs is this particular behavior behavior meeting? So let's say it's restricting. One of your one of the thoughts you might have to help you know if sense of control is a need you're having met is you may have the thought of like, okay, no one but me gets to decide if and when I, you know, restrict or if I eat this or not, right? And if you kind of have that's that's one example, but hey, if nobody else gets to decide this, then that mm-hmm. is something that feels like, oh, this is totally within my means. No one can take it away from me. Um, this feels like safe. Right. Right. Um, so that can be, that can be a really big one. Well, I don't want to throw your train of thought off, but that just makes me think of, I think that's what happens a lot of times with teenagers, right? Like that's just from things I've read and observed, like that's where it starts for teens. They've been overly parented. I don't, that sounds, that's a bad way to say that, especially as a mom of teens, like so much grace and compassion. It's hard to know how much to parent as they get older, but there's been so much restriction in their lives that it's finally, this is something I can control. And mom and dad can't tell me like that I have to eat or they can't make me eat, right? Like you can put the food in their mouth, but you can't make them chew and swallow. (laughs) So so it's like, that's, I, I feel like that's a, is that, is that right? Like that's a big time yeah. in life when that can be, um, exerted. Yeah. That, that can show up. I mean, I've had clients as young as like eight and nine okay. that I've had those conversations with, um, because when the, when everything sort of feels chaotic and you can find something that feels like a consistent, something that is, you don't have to rely on anybody else to, to be there for you to do, or to do for you. Food can naturally and movement, you know, exercise, running, like if you can say, well, I can put one foot in front of the other and nobody else can kind of stop me from mm-hmm. doing that. Um, that can also, you know, that's another means of not that exercise is a disordered behavior, but it can be, it can become sure, one when it, absolutely. when it gets done with that mindset and obsessively. Yeah. And so, yeah, so that control is a big one. Um, and I, one of the ways I really like to point out to my clients, like, yes, you do need to feel a sense of control in your life. Like you don't want mm-hmm. everything to feel chaotic and out mm-hmm. of control all the time. Um, and I do a, a practical exercise with my clients called the circle of control um, okay. or circle of concern. So um, if this might be something that would be helpful for somebody to practice, you can just take like draw two circles, like draw a larger one and then draw one that's slightly smaller on the inside of it. And the inside is your circle of control. So you would jot down in there things that you know are totally within your means. Okay. So with our example, maybe it's things like what I eat or Maybe mom and dad put what's on your plate there, but you decide, I can decide how many bites I'm going to take, mm-hmm. or I can decide if I want to wear brown shoes or black shoes today, or I can decide if I'm going to brush my teeth, mm-hmm. right? Anything that you know of that's totally within your means. In the outer circle, you would write things that are not up to you, 
but things that you can adapt to, right? Mm -hmm. So like the weather, like you have no control over if it's going <laughs> to rain, if it's going to shine. I'm in Alabama, so it's like 30 degrees in the morning right now and like 65 in the afternoon, uh -huh. right? So, so I can't control that, but I can adapt by, you know, wearing layers or taking an umbrella. So it's a good exercise to write out all those things in that outer circle that feel out of control and then let you just look at them and go, okay, how can I adapt to that in a way that doesn't make it feel so out of control? And I really love to point people to scripture with this because again, the Lord wants to help us meet these needs. And I think sometimes we, we need a little kick in the pants to go like, you really don't need to be in charge all the time. Mm -hmm. Or you're maybe you're just not right all the time. I feel like, mm -hmm. I, you know, I have to tell my kids that. I feel like I need that reminder for my father sometimes. And I love uh, in Isaiah 55, where he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, mm -hmm. and neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens mm -hmm. are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Yeah. And it's such a good reminder to me just to go, hey, Brittany, like you need to get, you need to ask the Lord what to do in this situation and not just make a decision because you can, you yeah. might have control over this, or at least feel right. that sense of control. But, um, I think that's a, that's a good way again, just to remind, to remind us that we can still have that need met and yeah. we don't have to be the ones that, that try to take care of what that looks like. Right. And I mean, cause it's. I, I was on a show the other day, uh, I was being interviewed and what well, we were talking about marriage and one of the women, we were talking about control. And one of the women said something about, she's the illustration of, uh, wanting to make sure that her husband was dressed in a way that she approved of before he left the house. And I was laughing so hard because I remember early in our marriage, we had this, my husband was in the Marine Corps still, and we had this like big, like function with a bunch of military people and it was like a family picnic or something. And so I had, it taken me like three weeks to figure out what I was going to wear to this thing. And my husband gets home, takes his uniform off and throws on like his oldest rattiest shirt from college. And we had been out of college for about 17 years at that point. So I'm like, yeah, why are you wearing this old thing? And like my control issues in those kind of things like flared and I don't think I could have told you why it was so important to me that my husband not wear his oldest, ugliest t-shirt to this party. But part of it was control, right? Because it was like, wait a second, I want to make sure that you look a certain way so that other people will like us and will think well mm -hmm. of us. And I could not have spelled it out for you at that point, but it was very much the same as why I choose to eat certain things or not eat certain things, because I feel like I am controlling what I eat and therefore I am controlling what I look like. And therefore I'm controlling what you think of me. Mm -hmm. But the reality is I have no control over what you think of me. <laughs> Exactly. look fantastic. And you can still not think I'm very nice or not think I'm pretty enough or all of the things. Right. So it yes. is, it's, it's a fascinating thing to dig into. And so many of us are just swimming in it. Um, and so I think stopping and just being like, Oh, ouch. Yeah. That's control. Whoa. <laughs> I think that's a good wake up call. Yes. And that, that acceptance piece, like you said, that kind of falls underneath that control aspect too, but one kind of plays off the other. Like you're trying to control all these things. So people will like you or accept you. But again, look at that, like even circle of control assignment, like you cannot control what somebody actually thinks of you, right? Like you can do all the things you can get to that 
ideal body size, whatever you want. And it doesn't mean somebody's going to see you again, exactly the way that, that you're seeing you. So if the whole thing is an attempt to please somebody else and you ultimately have no control over their thoughts or their behaviors, then you, you're, you're kind of in this like vicious cycle. Right. And when I think about you use the illustration of your struggle with infertility in their first episode, but I think about all my single friends, right. And the lie that you hear about, well, if I could just get that look, if I could just get that body size, that body shape, then like magically men would start lining up. And I mean, I know my, my experience was I got the size and the shape and it took me another like seven or eight years before I met my husband. And that was a seven or eight years of frustration and anger. And like, I, so I must need to lose more weight. Like it's still not good enough. What else am I supposed to do? And just, you know, I think it's important to make that connection that your control (laughs) might not lead you where you hope it will lead you. Like that is really his ways are higher. His thoughts are higher and he doesn't need you to be in a certain body size to find you a husband or a certain body size to, you know, help you get pregnant. Like he can, he can do a lot of miraculous things without our controlling help. Right. Yes. And there is no, there is no body size that makes you more or less valuable or enough or not enough to right. the Lord. And so right. when you can give that control over to him and say, Lord, I'm going to let you be in charge of deciding how, like yeah. not, I don't even want to say if I'm enough, but like yeah. you get to decide that I am enough. That's right. not up to someone else. Yeah. Um, there's so much peace that comes with yeah. that well, letting go of that control. If this podcast or ministry has blessed you, compared to who could use your sponsorship for the year ahead, there are several ways to give. You can donate through Patreon, or you can use the Buy Me a Coffee program. Even a gift of $5 helps. Go to comparedtowho.me slash podcast and scroll to the bottom for all the links you need to support the show. And hey, if giving money is your thing, no problem. Leave a review. Those five-star reviews are as good as gold. Thanks so much for considering. I'm grateful for you. And also, I mean, I talk about this all the time, more on other shows than I do on my show, which is probably sad, but I don't get to decide whether or not I'm enough, right? Like Mm -hmm. God says I am. Who am I to say, yeah, understand what you're saying about me, God, but I think I'm a little smarter than you. And I know the truth is that I'm not enough. God's like, yeah, I don't really, your opinion, mm, my opinion is so much more important than your opinion. So I think think that's important to point out too. Okay. So we have about 15 minutes for the next six. We're going to be here all day, Brittany. Big one. Okay, good. I'll keep the next one short. That's really the big one. So I'll touch on these other ones just to give you guys a sense. Um, And if you want some more resources, I'll give you some more resources at the end that that can that can kind of follow up. But um, the second one is reduced anxiety, and I'm going to kind of pair number two and three together because this is reduced anxiety and stress relief, and they often go hand in hand. So um, you might be dealing with if a behavior is reducing your anxiety, you might know that by saying like, okay, well, I feel less worried after I, you know, whatever, fill in the blank, restrict, over-exercise, whatever it is. And then the same kind of thing with stress relief. If you're just like, I'm constantly like restless or jittery or like my muscles are tense. I often feel less restless or less tense after I, you know, fill in the blank with whatever that behavior is. Um, so those are a, a couple, there's obviously a lot of ways that we could you know, dive into this further, but that's a couple of quick ways just to say, okay, well, maybe this behavior is reducing my anxiety or relieving mm. some stress. Okay. Um, so I think, so, I think yeah. I need that spelled out a little bit more. So, so I, I get it with over-exercising because like that, 
that's totally like very relatable to me. Like I need to go do a spin class and work out way higher than my heart rate should go. Um, and that's just for me personally, I'm not against spin. I'm just like, that's been a problem for me, but I need to go do that because afterwards I feel less anxious about really food. And, and then the endorphins help me feel less anxious about life. But what about like, how does that work? How does keeping a restrictive kind of life help me a restrictive in an area of food kind of life help me reduce stress or anxiety? So this for, for a lot of the, the women that I work with, it primarily can serve as a distraction. So like when okay. you have all these really stressful situations, it could be your body size that you're stressed about, but it could be other things as well. And when you go, okay, I don't feel like I'm very good at much, but I'm good at this. I'm good at yeah. following these diet rules oh, or I'm good, good at whatever. It can give you this sense of almost accomplishment that makes you feel less stressed because mm. I did really bad at all this stuff or I'm not good enough in these areas, but I can calm down because I did something good today. Right. I followed these rules and I did whatever. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's helpful. Yeah. It's, it's our righteousness, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I, am, I am righteous because I followed the rules <laughs> and therefore yes. I should yes. be allowed in the body image heaven. I don't, I don't know, <laughs> but, but that's kind of what it is, right? Okay. Number four, yes. number four. All right. Number four. Um, I'm going to touch lightly on this one. Um, but this is a sense of safety or comfort. Okay. This shows up for a lot of women who have experienced some type of uh, a variety of traumas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the thoughts of this is like, okay, well, when I'm afraid, whatever this behavior fill in the blank regularly calms my fear. Okay. okay. So one quick example is if you have experienced a, a particular type of trauma, maybe it was with a family member, maybe it was with a boyfriend or girlfriend or whomever um, in a particular body size, mm-hmm. right? And the idea is, okay, I'm going to restrict to make my body smaller because this trauma thing happened to me at this body size mm-hmm. and I can't get back to that again. Or sometimes it happens the too with, with the opposite on, yeah. I had some type of abuse at this size and I'm going to do these, whatever behaviors, because I can't be back at that size again. That's mm-hmm. not safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes it comes, I, I see it from that standpoint a lot. And then sometimes it's just that comfort. This is where you kind of hear the term emotional eating come up a lot mm-hmm. is I don't know what to do. I'm afraid I'm nervous, but this one thing that feels really tangible And again, it's like maybe that consistent thing. So this can kind of fall under the control piece too, is this is within my control. It's consistent. Nobody else is helping me with this. So this food is going to serve as this means of safety or comfort. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I think that's an important one. And I've, I've heard that too. So that that's good. Okay. Number five. All right. Um, five is like air quotes, solving a problem. Um, this usually shows up when procrastination is like you procrastinate a lot this may be a need it's meaning for you (laughs) um so if or or perfectionism this is another huge one like if the thought is like I have to do things perfectly Mm -hmm. and you know again maybe I'm really good at this behavior um or things sort of feel out of control but I'm gonna I'm gonna put off all the things that I don't know how to do and I'm just gonna solve the issue with the stress or the schedule or whatever and do something I know how to do well that can show up as sort of that temporary means of you're you're feeling like you're solving an issue because you're doing something, but it usually is something that just, again, kind of prolongs the inevitable. So maybe, so just tell me if I'm getting this right. So maybe an example of that would be like, I've got chaos in my life, but I'm going to uber focus on my food planning for the week and make sure that I eat the exact number of macros this week, even though sometimes I'm Mm -hmm. a little off, but like just the, the super diet mentality that whatever plan you're following, I am going to be the best at it this week, yes. because then I will be able to say, at least I did that. Well, is that, is that yes, kind of what you're absolutely. talking about? Okay. 
Absolutely. Okay. That can show up like that all on a, on a regular basis in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's good. That's good. Number six. All right. Number six is to numb or repress feelings. So this shows up a lot. If you feel again, maybe like really anxious, it could be stressed. It could just be like, maybe something really difficult happens and you do not like to feel all the things, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't like the, maybe the depressive thoughts coming up, the, whatever it is and having something tangible to either do or consume really just helps get you out of your head and focus on something physical and kind of tune everything else out. Mm. Okay. So this is like, if you, yeah. if you have a tendency to, to push your feelings down, sometimes the anecdote a little bit to this can just be like, find somewhere you can go to cry or mm-hmm. scream or like do something. If it doesn't feel safe to get your emotions out in front of other people, do something at least in a healthy way to get some emotions out in a way that feels safe for you. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's stay here for just for a second though. So Everyone knows it's been long demonized, right? That you don't eat your feelings, right? Like that doesn't help you emotional eating bad. But recently, like in some conversations I've been having with other people in this world, I've been kind of loosening up a little bit on on that Mm -hmm. demonization because I feel like, but wait a second, we eat to celebrate and that's an emotion. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus did that in the Bible. And a friend of mine, I think, you know, Aaron, um, Aaron Todd, Um, So Aaron and I were talking the other day, just Marcoing back and forth just about, I think it was, no, it wasn't Aaron. Aaron got a shout out. Yay, Aaron. But it was someone else. (laughs) It was one of my clients actually. And, and my client was like, she's like, yeah, she's like, well, what I'm really struggling with. And I asked her if I could share this. It's okay. (laughs) I was like, that's so good. I have to share it. She's like, what I was really struggling with was we're going to eat in heaven. There's a wedding supper of the lamb. So what am I going to do in heaven? I'm going to be like, no, I'm sorry, Jesus. That has too many calories. Can someone like get me the gluten-free bread option? <laughs> and I was like, that is so dang good. I never thought of that, but, but yeah. So like, it's okay to celebrate with food. Yes. So when we're it's, sad, it's, maybe we eat too. I mean, where's, where's yes. the line there? Like what there about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I am in 100% agreement with the fact that you can absolutely, when you are feeling whatever end of the spectrum emotion or anywhere in the middle, you can absolutely eat as a means of coping with that. You eating can be a tool in your toolbox to cope. You just don't want it to be the only tool Mm, when it is the only thing that you are relying on. It becomes obsessive and you're taking your reliance off of the Lord and you're going, this is going to be my constant default. Mm -hmm. Um, And more often than not, when that happens, you kind of lose your awareness around your hunger and fullness and around how is the food actually making you feel right Mm -hmm. when you have the awareness and you are kind of the term we use is interoceptive awareness you're like in touch with what's going on in your body so that's like hey I can tell when my bladder's full right or I can tell when my heart is pounding Mm -hmm. like that kind of awareness with hunger and fullness as well then you can go okay I've had a really rough day I think I want a bowl of ice cream Mm -hmm. right like we keep bluebell in our house on a regular basis (laughs) so like like if I go to get some bluebell and I've you know, I want to use it as a way to sort of help give me something enjoyable when I've had maybe a not so great day. I can have the awareness of when am I getting to the point where, okay, I'm full. And if I eat much more, I'm not going to feel better. I'm going to actually feel worse. Um, so when you have some awareness around that, you can use it as a tool. Just don't let it be the only tool in your toolbox. Well, because just physiologically, you know, like chocolate does give us some serotonin. And so if you're feeling like, you know, a lot of us turn to chocolate for a little serotonin boost. And mm-hmm. it's like, how come the person that turns to chocolate for a serotonin boost is 
bad emotional eating. You just, I'm talking in terms of diet culture, right? Whereas the person who goes for a run to get skinnier, but is getting the same kind of boost hormonally from their endorphins, mm-hmm. like that's good. <laughs> but, but, you know, a little piece of chocolate is bad. It's like, well, I don't know that that's true. Right. Like, I mean, I totally agree with you. Like it can't mm-hmm. be our only tool in the toolbox. It can't be the only place we go. Right. And, and I mean, God's clear about that. Right. He wants us to come to him, but I don't yes. really mind like taking the dark chocolate with me when I go into my room and say, help me, God. Okay. Another bite. Help me, God. Yes. <laughs> you know, like yes. I don't think and that it, they have to be opposed to each other. Do they? They, they don't. And I think it becomes so much easier to tell the difference when you drop the terms good and bad and you switch to beneficial You mm. say, is this benefiting me right now? Mm. Or how beneficial is this? Mm, right. Like is, is chocolate benefiting me right now? It's going to, yeah, it's probably going to give me that little bit of like physiological boost. And it's going to be in a, an, in, you know, a means of enjoyment. But then at some point, it's not really going to be serving you as well anymore because you're going to feel maybe sick or you're going to be like (laughs) totally unfocused. So can you, when you drop the the good and bad, drop the morality from it and go, how, how beneficial is this? Yeah. A handful of chocolate chips can help the whole bag. Not so much. (laughs) And only, you know, where the level is, the place to stop is in between those points, right? I don't know. But but yeah, I I mean, I feel like that should, that should free someone watching or listening today. Right. Because, because we feel so we've been just programmed to feel so much guilt when we go to the chocolate. Right. And I think even more so as Christians, right. Like it's the added guilt. (gasps) I'm a horrible Mm. Christian because I should be going to God and not doing this, but I really want a piece of chocolate right now. It's like, no, it's okay. And, you know, and Megan was on the show talking about satisfaction. And I, don't know, I think maybe Amy Carlson, when she was on the show, we talking about satisfaction a little bit too, but there's so much guilt that we've learned from diet culture, just in terms of being satisfied, you know, like mm-hmm. that, when you have that handful of chocolate chips and it tastes really good and you're like, oh, ah, oh, that hit the spot. That was just what I needed. It's like, oh no, you shouldn't get what you needed from that. That was bad, bad, bad. Right. And that's so, it's just so messed up. We've been so messed up by this language and diet culture. Go ahead. Yes. You're say something. Yes. No, just, just to piggyback on that. Like I'm totally of the mindset that if we were, if food was not meant to bring us some sort of sense of satisfaction, like we wouldn't even have been like all of our food could taste the same. It could feel the same. It could have the same mouthfeel. We could just all have some little, you know, magic pill or drink that we have every day to give us the nourishment that we need. And that is not the case. Our God is a creative God and he made all these different things that we can, we can consume and we can enjoy. And we don't want it to be the source of our joy, right? right? But it can be a a component of enjoyment. Right. Well, because if it becomes a source of our joy, then it is a Jesus substitute. Then it's an idol, right? I mean, we Absolutely. can make food an idol, but <laughs> that's not a good mm-hmm. thing to do. So, okay. Number seven. Can, can we All hit right. number last seven before one. time is up? <laughs> yes. The finale. So our last one is taking out anger or potentially mm-hmm. using the behaviors and means of sort of self-punishment. Okay. And so um, this, I see this happen a lot when somebody kind of turns their anger inward. Like maybe they've been hurt. Maybe they're upset with somebody else, but it's not, maybe it's not safe for them to talk to that person or they feel like it's not because they've had a really bad experience expressing discontent or anger before. And it's been met with punishment or some, something that has made it like, okay, I I can't show that kind of emotion anymore. So they sort of take it out of themselves as a means to still express that. And so that can show up in a lot of different ways, but with disordered eating or body checking kind of behaviors, it might mean, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get on the scale now and 
I'm going to change my behaviors to whatever it is like that feels, I'm going to restrict myself further if this doesn't go down. Um, or I'm going to make myself run an extra mile, even after the point that I feel like I'm going to collapse. Right. And it's just this means of like, I feel like I did something wrong or somebody else upset me. And so I've got to take it out on somebody. Yeah. So instead of dealing with the anger, we just go more into our disordered eating or eating disorder behaviors. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Mm -hmm. so I'm, but boy, learning to deal with your anger, that's not like an overnight thing either. (laughs) No, that is why, that is why I love to collaborate and partner and encourage my clients to do so working with, um, like a therapist, Mm -hmm. right? There's so much of this work that is so important to have, have a holistic perspective and make sure that, you know, I, I can give some mild, I guess, input or encouragement on this, but I always tell my clients, like, let's, let's work on, if this is something that you're taking out your anger with your food, like let's work on that. And this is something you might want to process further because we need to learn. I'm not going to be your anger management expert, (laughs) Yeah, but, but it's something we all need to learn how to deal with even outside of disordered Mm -hmm. eating. If you struggle with expressing your anger in a healthy way, that's a valuable tool for any, any adult too. Well, I, so we went into counseling. Oh, I don't know. 13, 14 years ago, we were in counseling, my husband and I, for 10 years, I was really excited to go into counseling because I knew he needed it. Um, I didn't think I did, but I knew he needed it. So I was going to help our marriage because he was going to get better. And, um, and I remember we probably, so we did, we did counseling a little weird because it was part of a, a weekend retreat we were at for pastors and their wives. And so we did like I don't know, 12 hours of counseling in one weekend. But I remember shortly thereafter, we were in his office and now I'm like the, I'm the person who smiles all the time, always has a smile on my face, like ready to be pastor's wife. Cause I always have a smile on my face. And he's like, you know, I think we really need to dig into why you're so angry. And I'm like, I'm the least angry person you've ever met. Look at how happy I am. See my smile. Like I'm not angry. And that was crazy for me because it was like, oh, huh. Anger you know, we never feel like anger is acceptable and it's so stuffed in there. I think for many of us, especially those of us who are Christians, it is just stuffed in there deep because somewhere along the way we were taught that it was wrong to be angry. Don't go to bed on your wrath, right? So you better just get over whatever it is before you go to sleep, especially if you're married. Um, and you know, and it's, so that's a, that's a big one. So that's, that's good. That's helpful. Well, Brittany, I could probably talk to you for another hour, but uh, I think we'll probably have to wrap it up there. This has been so good. Can you tell everyone, tell everyone where to connect with you? And then you have some specific ways that you connect with people and work with people. So just tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, easiest way to get in touch with me is actually through my website. You can go to brittanybraswellrd.com. And especially if today, kind of talking through some of these, um, you want a little more resource to help you figure out like, what, what maybe are some of the needs that some of your behaviors are meeting? Um, I get this question all the time. So I just created a free resource that you can download on my website. So you can go to the resources tab and download it. Um, or you can just go to brittanybrazzlerd.com slash needs. Um, and it's just this little assessment and hopefully it will give you some, some value to be able to apply sort of what we've been talking talking about today. Um, and then, yeah, always on like Facebook and Instagram at Brittany Brazel RD. I love to connect with people there, um, and provide hopefully some support and encouragement and inspiration when it comes to body image and eating disorder recovery. Awesome. And you do great reels. 
I, I have a problem with envying people who do great reels because I don't do reels. One of these days, one of these days I will do reels, but not, well, I it is a, it's a work I can't, in progress. That's I can't do the like always push do. the words out and oh, you guys are so fancy, but they're good. So follow her on Instagram and you'll see her fun reels. Well, Brittany, thank you so much for being on the show today. Truly appreciate you sharing all this important information with us. And thank you for watching or listening today. I hope something in today's episode has helped you stop comparing and start living. Bye-bye. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. There's nothing in this world that he cannot do if we truly allow his love. We can do nothing without him. Anything that we do apart from him is not something that's permanent. We all need his grace. That's everybody. We are all broken people on our way to a place that we believe is, is waiting on us in heaven. You can find more of Bridges with Monica Schmelter at lifeaudio.com. In Christ, we are all one family. Amen.